We're coming to the close of this series that we've been in for the past couple of months, and it is in line with our theme for this year, which is uh, gospel renewal, renewing our hearts unto Christ, renewing our lives unto the Lord in all types of manner, and we've spent the past several weeks renewing our understanding and commitment to some common core values as a church family, as a, as a ministry. We've had these values for years since the beginning of Christ community began. And again, just wanted to, in light of so many of us that have come and become part of this church in the past few years, we have spent much time renewing our understanding of each of these values. So if you've missed any particular week listed there in your bulletin of a particular value, I encourage you to go online and to our website, download or just listen to that value that maybe you've missed so you can get a full understanding of these seven commitments that we have, kind of a DNA commitments to our church uh, as, as a ministry. And so today we're looking at the final value of being a, a church that really seeks to be decentralized in our efforts of what it means to be uh, a ministry that not just seeks to stay together, but a church that seeks to uh, employ and to equip the body uh, to go into our community and to use our gifts out from just a centralized place. And so today our text for this is probably familiar to many of you, but if not, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, you can turn your Bibles there, verses 4 through 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13. Listen as I read God's Word. And there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, your word gives us very clear understanding of how you call and how you desire for your church to live and to move and to serve in the way that you have prescribed. Give us a greater understanding of how we, each one of us, fit into this equation, how we are part of your desire for the church to be built up, for your church to reach unity in the faith and to grow together. Father, may this be our act of worship as we daily have opportunities, both inside and outside your church, to serve and use our talents and our gifts that you have so blessed us with. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I, uh, in East Tennessee, grew up in a very traditional church. It was a... Um, Church probably about the same size, maybe a little smaller than Christ Community, and it was a great church growing up. Uh, every Sunday, every Wednesday night, every Sunday night we were there when the doors were open. 
very traditional in many ways, and it had very, uh, a lot of good values to it, uh, though I never really heard or can remember a particular message or a series about those values. The values were there. There was biblical teaching. There was sound doctrine. There was good stewardship of life and ministry and so forth. However, there was one aspect of this traditional church that I so dearly loved as my home church growing up um, that I never really, underst- never really understood until as I became an adult and became more involved in leadership in the church and in ministry that now I look back and, and realize in one sense that might have been somewhat of an oversight in the ministry of my home church. And that was this. The church I grew up in for all those years was really reliant very heavily on a centralized focus of ministry. It was centralized to a particular person or even a few persons, but also was centralized to the facility. They had a few acres there in West Knoxville and had a, a facility, a, a worship and an education building and a, and a gymnasium and on those opportunities for those facilities to be used. Um, and they were for several years, but then as the church grew older and uh, the church became a little less significant in impacting the community, uh, certainly by the time I reached college, uh, there was only less than 50 or 60 people in the church. And for over a decade, I look back and remember there wasn't anyone under the age of 18 in that church at all for over a decade. The church just came less and less impactful and significant. And I look back and think, you know, I believe there was a need, even when it was vibrant and it was full, an opportunity was there with many, many families to do equipping in a way that God has given us here in his word, a way to equip and to be effective in ministry, maybe in a way they had not been for all those years that I was growing up in that church. And so you look in your bulletin, you see there what I call an equation for an effective decentralized ministry. What's the equation for what can make Christ's community or hopefully continue to make us as we grow effective in ministry, not just being together, but also as God sends us out, as we are equipped, as we are gifted, and we are employed to go and be God's people, his servants. Well, this equation is first, there's called and intentional leadership, and then next we'll we'll look at an equipping mindset, and then thirdly, grace empowerment. So called an intentional leadership that God's called and gifted, and they are intentional about seeing Ephesians 4 fulfilled in and through the body, and then also a mindset that is about being equipped and equipping every member of the body, every member being a minister of the gospel of grace. And thirdly, that we understand it is empowered by the very presence of God's grace in our lives, and in the life of this church. And that will hopefully, as God has given us his spirit, bring about effective ministry and a decentralized understanding. So let's look first at called and intentional leadership. Verses 11 and 12, the second part of our passage. It was he, that is Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. So the body of Christ is built up. Now, if you grew up in a church, 
If you grew up in a church, maybe some of you here haven't grown up in a church, and so this is all kind of a new perspective for you. But if you have grown up or been around the church, even in your adult years for, uh, for a while, you might be able to think back, even before Christ Community, on the style or type of leadership that you remember. What type of leadership might have you had in your previous church experiences before being here at Christ Community? Maybe your model was more like the pastor does it all, that model of leadership. The pastor does it all pretty much by himself. Any need that really arises in the body, then they look to the pastor of the church to meet that need and to handle that situation. And that's pretty much how your understanding of church leadership goes. Or maybe your model is that there really isn't much pastoral leadership. In fact, maybe it's just led by those in the body. All leadership is just lay leadership that God's provided in the body. And there's no, in fact, maybe your background is there's no staff clergy. There's no church ministry staff at all. And uh, there are some backgrounds that have no professional, so to speak, or any paid staff in a church at all doing ministry. It's all led by those members of the body. Whatever might be your particular, or somewhere in between those two examples, understanding of leadership, the types of gifts listed here in verse 11 of chapter 4 Ephesians are very important for understanding leadership being called and leadership being intentional to equipping the entire body. Look at the types of gifts listed in verse 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. What are those gifts about? Those are all put there, and then it says, these are given to prepare God's people for works of service. These are gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers, that have been given so that they are to equip the body. You see, these are not primarily at all service gifts, though one does certainly serve in using a gift as a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor teacher. It is serving the Lord. They're not primarily support gifts. These are primarily equipping gifts that God has gifted the body of Christ, the church, so that the entire body can be equipped together along with those, with those gifts to do works of service, to serve the Lord in all types and manner of ministry. These gifts are given to establish and build the church, and they have to be gifts that are used with intentionality. They have to be used intentionally for the purpose of serving and equipping the entire body. Apostles, that gift. This is a gift that's more of a pioneering gift that God gives those with this spiritual gift. Pioneering, seeing the kingdom expand to grow, and therefore this gift is used to equip others to do the same. In one sense, uh, Brian and Mandy Stock are going to be employing kind of pioneering apostleship type gifts as they go to another part of the world and seek to minister in a foreign land, establishing the church on the front lines with those that are there and pioneering ministry in ways that maybe have not been pioneered there in South Asia. And so they have an opportunity to experience kind of that arena of ministry, 
prophets, these proclaim the gospel. People who have a gift of prophecy may not necessarily be foretelling at all, but necessarily forthtelling the gospel, proclaiming the truth of God's word as he has given and already revealed it to us. And as you proclaim the gospel with a gift of prophetic truth and speaking what God's word says, then in that sense, you equip and you help others and they develop those same opportunities of understanding and then sharing and uh, having God's word reproduced in the lives of those that are being equipped. Evangelists, these are those who pursue just by the way God has designed them, those who don't know Christ, in a way that just is second nature to them. They just naturally are continually engaging those who don't have a relationship with Christ. And they seek to help others in the body to do the same, to help model for those in the body on sharing our faith, to help equip those in the body to share their faith and to be that catalyst within the church for the gospel to go out with power. Those who have that form of gifting. And then the fourth area is those of pastor, teacher. Those who teach and shepherd, disciple and equip using God's word as that vehicle and that, that means by which those are being equipped with the word of God. And so these gifts, all of them seek to equip the body to, to grow into maturity. And these are the gifts that Paul has, have, has given us to understand, to establish, and build the church. If those with these gifts, pastor, teacher, apostleship, prophets, evangelists, those with these gifts, if they do not use them to equip the body, not just to use them for their own purposes, but for equipping the body, and instead, those with these gifts just do the work themselves with their gifting, and they don't engage the body of Christ and don't seek to equip anyone else around them in the church, but just do it themselves, then we have missed the mark. We've missed the mark that Ephesians 4 tells us that we have been given the opportunity for. We cannot and we will not grow or flourish as a church. Christ's community cannot grow, it cannot flourish unless those with these gifts and even other gifts seek to employ these gifts by equipping the rest of the body. And so if you know right now you have one or more of these gifts, these type of gifts, this is God's call to you, that you would use these gifts to equip those sitting in the chairs next to you. You would use those gifts to employ service of equipping all your brothers and sisters. The body will grow and will flourish as these gifts are used to equip others. If you are a leader in this church and you're sitting here this morning, if you're a leader at Christ Community, then I and you both have to make that ongoing, regular aware choice to not just do the work of serving the Lord ourselves, but to do it and to bring others along with us, to serve along beside us, to help and equip others alongside us who have been called and do lead God's church. We can't just do it ourselves. 
Sometimes it's easier just to do something yourself. If you have the choice to do something yourself or to try to help someone else show them how to do it, it's so easy just to go do it yourself because it takes a different type of effort, a different sometimes patience and opportunity in helping others in that same process rather than just do it yourself. And yet God has given us this prescription. These are gifts that he's called to equip the body. And so as God's biblical leaders, we've been called to engage others and to equip them to use their gifts in works of service, to use their gifts in serving and building up the body. So it is our responsibility as leaders in God's church to prepare God's people for ministry and to help them to understand their gifts, to help them to use and establish their gifts, and to find that opportunity in the body to serve and to be uh, and to use the gifts that God's called them to use. And so intentional leadership who've been called by God is the first part of the equation. These with these gifts are equipping gifts. The second part of the equation is to have an equipping mindset. Look at verse 12 again. It is to prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. The church is designed. It's designed and it must be designed and built in such a manner that God's people are truly nurtured, built up, and equipped in the gospel of grace. And so, if right now I were to ask you, do you feel equipped in the Word of God? Do you feel equipped in growing in your walk with the Lord? What would your answer be? Would it be, yes, I feel like I'm equipped to do that? If the answer is no, then there needs to be an opportunity for you to be equipped, to be discipled, and continue to grow. We all are continually in the process of being discipled. And yet, some of us are at the very beginning of that journey, and we need some basic equipping. Others of us are further along in our walk with the Lord, and we've been given those opportunities, have actually taken advantage of them, but maybe for whatever reason, we're not actually participating in using those gifts in works of service. But that's what God has called to prepare God's people for works of service. Also in verse 12, that the body of Christ may be built up. This equipping mindset is that the whole church will be built up if these gifts are employed. The body of Christ will not be built up unless those within the church that God's gifted choose to put their gifts to equip others around them. And that the leadership chooses to put structures in place in the church that will then foster an environment of equipping and growth with each other. It's got to be everyone together together in this effort. But then in verse 13, it says, until we all reach unity and we become mature. So there's a process. Maturity and ongoing maturity occurs when those in the body are being equipped. When we're not being equipped and we're not in the in constant opportunity of engaging our gifts for service and of use and of growing and, and uh, maturing in our walk with the Lord, then we can't reach that same unity together. And certainly as a body, we will not be maturing in the Lord as God has called our church to do. You know, spiritual maturity can only be achieved when these with Certain gifts are employing them to equip the body. And the body has a mindset of also being 
equipped. You know, there are some in our body who in previous churches have served. Some of you have served as elders, as deacons, as leaders, as all types of uh, equipped leaders in God's church, as teachers, Sunday school teachers, and so much more. And there are some who have even served in different capacities in outside of the church ministries opportunities. There is so much breadth and depth of experience of ministry in this fairly small church, it would probably astound you if you just knew. If I could somehow put a bubble upon everybody's head, that you could look up and see a bubble above everybody's head in this room right now, and it would list kind of their resume of, of ministry experiences or equipping or education or all that, you would not believe all that you would see above the heads of the people sitting in this room. You really wouldn't. There is so much uh, wealth of ministry opportunity in every person in this church, but especially for so many of you that God has gifted and given experiences and opportunities that many in this church have never experienced or even thought of being exposed to. So <clears throat> it's an amazing uh, blessing to this church that God has given us that opportunity. However, there's a challenge with it. Right now, there are some that really truly haven't been employing their gifts. Some of you right now uh, have the gifts like Paul has given us. And you could be using those gifts to equip and to invest in those in the church and yet somehow we miss the mark. I would say right now, Christ Community is probably running about 40 to 50% of its capacity for leadership. As I look across the landscape of our church, I believe that probably 40 to 50%, 40 to 50% of those who could be investing themselves in the body of this church probably aren't doing so. There's a great opportunity that we have that just right now we're not taking full advantage of. For some, it's kind of like Monday through Friday, we're giving 100, 120% in our, maybe our vocation, our jobs, our careers, or our families, and we're using all kinds of gifts that God's given us, employing them in those arenas of life. But somehow something kind of happens, and on our, on our way to church on Sunday morning, it's like someone handcuffs, blindfolds, and gags us, where we can't really employ those same amazing talents and gifts that were used Monday through Friday, and they just stop. They're not employed and used so that the body of Christ benefits from those amazing gifts, wonderful talents, and blessed uh, opportunities that God has given the body. And so, think about maybe your particular gifts and talents that God's given you and how he might use you in his church. But you know, the key is not just the leaders that I've spoken to a little bit. It's not just those that are leaders in our church right now or who God might be calling to lead. It's every single one of us, every member of Christ's community having a mindset of equipping and every member having a desire and a commitment to being equipped and to being engaged in ministry. It's every one of us. 
1 Corinthians 12 says this, now the body is not made up of one, but of many. If the whole body were an eye, well, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Many parts, but one body. And so God has given each one of us to be a part of the body in more ways than one, some of us. And we take those opportunities and the gifts that God's employed us with, or at least the gift that we've been given. Every single Christian has at least one spiritual gift. You might be sitting there hearing me and this message right now, feeling or thinking in your, in your mind, well, Mike, you just don't know me. I really don't have much to offer the Lord. I just don't have any real gifts. Well, I hate to say it, but you're wrong. You may not know what it is exactly, but Scripture tells me you at least have one gift, spiritual gift, that's been given you. Probably more than one, but at least one. And for you to use that gift to its maximum capacity would not only bless the body, but would bless you. You would be built up in a way that you would not even imagine if you employed that gift, that single gift or gifts to their potential. The opportunity maximized for our gifts to be employed, to be used that way. We all have those gifts. You know, I grew up in, uh, as I said, a very traditional church. Every week we had a Sunday school, we had worship on Sunday morning, we had youth group on Sunday afternoon, we had a Sunday evening service after youth group, and then we had a Wednesday night prayer service midweek, and that was our every week experience as a family and as a church body. Every single week I grew up in that experience. So I thought back about 18 years of being in that kind of regiment, in that, that routine. That equaled to about approximately, give or take, 5,000 hours of equipping to all those things I did every week. 5,000 hours I was exposed to spiritual equipping for, for my spiritual walk from the cradle all the way till I left and went away for college. 5,000. What other organization can you think of that would equip someone and train them for 5,000 hours? I don't know of any. I'm sure there might be, but maybe the military. Uh, but other than the military, 5,000 hours. If, if an organization did equip someone, even I think of the military, for that many hours, what would be the expectation for productivity? A lot, would it not? If someone gave that much investment or time, there would be an expectation through the roof for productivity because of that investment of training and equipping. And yet, what expectation is there in the church for us to take the equipping we have been given and to utilize it, to employ it for the service of the Lord? Sometimes we don't have much of an expectation. And truly, there is an expectation. God desires, he desires greatly that we would use and employ that, that equipping and those investments 
with the gifts that he's given us. You know, I would not want us to be like those in Hebrews who, as the author of Hebrews addressed them in the church, he spoke of them in a way that I would not want any of us to be spoken of. Hebrews chapter 5. We have to say much about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. The author of Hebrews is speaking to those who are believers who by the time they were, he was addressing them as God's people there should have been a much greater level of maturation, a much greater display and use of the gifts and of the ministry opportunities that God had given. And yet, he says, by this time, you should have even been teachers, those who would lead others and equip others, and yet you're not. You're merely spiritual babes. You, you can't even eat solid food spiritually. You have to drink milk, the, the beginnings, the that which you really should be beyond. A while back, I saw a documentary uh, on TV about certain psychological disorders. One of these disorders was called infantilism. Have you ever heard of this particular disorder? It is crazy weird different. I say that hoping no one here has experienced this particular dis disorder. Now that I've already said it, it's crazy weird. Um, it really was, and, if, and, and it, was, it, it showed those, a few people who had this particular psychological perspective called adult infantilism. And what it is, it's when an adult desires to return to the stage of infancy, like a baby, and it goes from all kinds of stuff, and we're not talking fetishes and weird stuff like that, it's just a basic desire to go back to that stage of life, wearing diapers and sleeping in a huge crib and all kinds of things. It's just odd. And yet, there are some who really have this struggle in their life. You know, I, I saw that and, of course, thought, well, that's very different. Um, but, you know, in the church, though, if you, if you kind of translate it in the church, it, it should seem that odd and weird as well, for so many who have been given so much and equipped to stay in a state of spiritual infantilism. In that sense, to stay and to accept and to remain spiritually as infants. You know, many people will sit in the pew of a church for 10, 20, 30, even 50 years or more, hear thousands of sermons, go to thousands of Sunday school lessons here and are taught Bible lessons that many have never even had the opportunity to hear. And they are still, by definition, spiritual infants, spiritual babes. Here's a snapshot. You can do a personal inventory yourself, but here's a snapshot of maybe a spiritual infant, someone who isn't able right now in their life to read or study God, to, to study God's word, to understand it for their own life. And they don't partake of the word of God regularly 
or very often. And if they have been equipped, they just simply don't study or read or partake of the Word of God in their own life. Someone whose maybe prayer life is a little bit more than just praying before a meal. And that's about where it stops. Someone who cannot recognize the counterfeits to where the true gospel is. When they hear someone speaking of something that's not the true gospel, they have little or no ability to discern a difference between what others are teaching or saying and what the Word of God truly says. They don't have that ability, that discernment. They haven't developed that grid, that ability to discern. Someone who's a spiritual infant does not know or even exercise their own spiritual gift or gifts in the body at all. An infant has no vision for their life to be spiritually impactful in the lives of others. They pretty much just look at their Christian, their life in Christ as just, I'll go to church and that's pretty much what all I need to do. They don't see that their life every minute of every day is an opportunity to impact someone else spiritually in their own life. Someone who's a spiritual infant more or less never will seek to pray for or engage or share their own understanding of the gospel with someone who needs it. Not employing that opportunity. Someone who's a spiritual infant will attend maybe worship when it's convenient or it doesn't conflict with their schedule as opposed to making it a priority in their own life. Someone who's a spiritual infant probably only gives to the Lord's work when they're own budget is available or it's convenient, as opposed to making a priority and really seeking to give to the Lord as he's called us to be generous. Someone who's a spiritual infant might be involved in church, but it's pretty much out of duty and not out of delight for the Lord and their love for him. It's just something they have to check off. I don't know how many of those Things I just named off might be something you're struggling with. But if it is, that would be an area that I would encourage you to begin moving towards and asking the Lord to help grow you up in whatever area or areas they may be, that you would begin moving and growing, finding and being intentional yourself to be equipped in any of those areas, so that you will not be found wanting as a spiritual infant. That you will actually be maturing and growing up so that the entire body is being built up, not just a few, but every single member of the body. We have an incredible opportunity, and an opportunity to grow together, to equip one another, and to grow as a church family as a body, and to use our gifts employed to serve each other and to reach out in our community where we live, that God would use us that way. I know that people's lives are being impacted by those in this church. Many of you are using your gifts and employing them. I see it every single week. The leadership of this church, we speak of it together when we see it, and we are encouraged by it. I know the staff sees it. So many of you are serving and giving of your talents, your, your gifts, and it is, it is enriching and building up this church in most amazing ways. And yet, there's still opportunity. There's still opportunities for so many more of us to take the, the equipping 
uh, and the gifts that God's give us, given us to employ to serve him. The final part of the equation, after having an equipping mindset and being uh, called and intention, have intentional leadership, is the third part of the equation, grace empowerment. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace has been given just as Christ apportioned it. You know, everything we need for salvation, everything we need for growth in the grace of God is given to us from Him directly. And it flows from Jesus directly through His work on the cross to us. We are given His grace and apportioned to us completely. And the gift of grace that we've been given it's not about what we can do for God in employing our gifts or using our gifts. It's what God has already done for us. And he's given and blessed us with these gifts and with these gifts. And we seek to use them simply to worship him and to, and to recognize that he has blessed us to bless others and to use those gifts in that way. Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. We have different gifts but it's according to what grace God has apportioned to you, to you, to you, to me. We're all different. Ephesians 3 says the same thing. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Paul got his gifts because of God's grace apportioned to him. God's grace is given to you and to you and to you and to you differently. You don't have the same portion of God's grace in the same way as the person sitting next to you, even in the same family, a husband and wife. You don't have the same gifts and grace bestowed on you that the person that you're married to has. And so we need not expect those we're close to be like us. Have you ever felt like, well, if they were just like me, things would be just fine. If they would just do things the way I do them, Sorry, it's not what it was, that's not how it's supposed to be. We, your spouse, your friend, your child, your parent, your family member, they weren't designed to be like you. And therefore, if they're truly using their gifts and the grace that God has apportioned to them, as they employ and as they invest and use that, it will look very different than the way you use your gift or gifts that God's given as well. You know, seeing our gifting and its use in the body, when you really use your gifts and your talents and you see them being used by God and people's lives are truly being blessed and changed by the things that you are willing to uh, participate in and give yourself and invest yourself in, when you truly see that, it builds you up spiritually. You're blessed you are really, you experience a blessing like no other spiritual blessing because it's designed to build you up that way. You see, for the body to, build, to be built up, it's not just about those receiving these uh, gifts employed to be built up. Yes, those who receive the equipping are built up, but those who are doing the equipping are being built up. It goes in both arenas. You know, I really believe Paul and the Lord through him as he wrote these words uses this term grace for a few reasons, for at least two reasons. And think about this. 
The use of God's grace in giving you, bestowing gifts upon you, and then you utilize them in the body. The result of God's grace, it does two, two things, two things to all of us who, who are believers and have a gift or gifts in the body. Number one, for those who are more endowed, maybe with three, four, five spiritual gifts, some of you have multiple gifts. Truly, God has blessed you with many gifts. And for those who have been blessed that way, and you've been endowed with many gifts, and you feel fairly confident, not necessarily in a bad way, but confident in the Lord in using those gifts, and you richly are blessed in utilizing and employing those gifts. Always reminding yourself that it's the grace of God that has apportioned it to you will always bring humility. It should to your heart. It should always give you humility. Lord knows that's what I need. I have gifts that every week are used in front of you. Every single Sunday. Sometimes I need to be reminded but for the grace of God, I would not be able to open my mouth. But for the grace of God, I could not even stand. I could not understand, I could not speak, and I could not do anything with any gift unless the grace of God continued to infuse in me that desire, that willingness, and that opportunity. So knowing it's the grace of God that's apportioned it to me, it keeps me in the place I need to be. It keeps me, hopefully, on my knees and humble before the Lord. The second thing it does, though, for those of you who maybe sit here, and I've said before, think, I don't really have a gift that I know of. In fact, I've tried it a couple times, and it doesn't work. My gifts just aren't very valuable in the body. I'm not really that valuable to the church. I'll just kind of be a wallflower. I'll just sit on the sidelines, and I just I won't get in the way. I won't cause any problems because I don't want to mess things up. For those who have maybe that struggle, and you don't feel like you're endowed with maybe even one gift, to understand that, no, God has graced you with one or more gifts, and he desires for you to use. In fact, he wants you to use your gifts in the maximum potential, it should bring courage to you. It should bring confidence to you. It should bring a boldness to you to want to use that gift. Even if it's one gift, you would use it with boldness. Everyone in the church would know, this is my gift. I'm going to use it so that God is glorified. And I'm going to use it to its utmost maximized potential. It should, the grace, knowing that it's God's grace has done that for you, that's why it's so important when we think about equipping and being equipped. You know, being a, a church that seeks to equip the body at large and everyone employed to be a member, to be a, a minister of the gospel together, that's what it's about. It's not about a few doing the work of the entire body. It's about all of us doing the work that God has given our hands to do as a church and employing our gifts in service to one another and to those that need to hear the gospel. As we conclude this series, you know, we've looked at seven different core values, seven core values of the past six weeks and today. Christ-centered worship. We looked at 
biblical-based teaching, a gospel-centered culture. We looked at what it means to be an authentic community of believers. We looked at being outwardly faced, not just inward. What it means to have a church that's spirit-filled in our ministries, individually and as a church body. And then today, God's call to be every member and minister and to decentralize our ministry efforts to one another and to our community. These are all values that God's given us as a church that we can grow in. Every one of them, we have room to grow. Every one of them, we have opportunities that God's given us in this coming year. Would you join me in praying that God would build us up in every one of these values and even give us greater blessing and greater opportunities as we seek to see these values fulfilled? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that just as your word has given us clarity now, that as you have gifted every member of your body, every child of yours has been gifted. And you've given these gifts for the very purpose of building your church, of edifying your people. May we take that opportunity and maximize it. Give ourselves to it. Invest ourselves to it. Whatever age we are, from child to the elderly, that we would invest ourselves in your kingdom, in your people, and in this world, and not waste and not set aside even one ounce of gifting that you've given your people. You've given your church. So you're glorified, and we together are edified and built up by your Spirit. Father, we confess right now, we confess maybe those arenas where we have been neglectful or in ways in which we may not have maximized or sought to employ those gifts, but we do so now. We confess and we thank you for receiving our confessions, for giving us and empowering us with your grace that has already been bestowed upon us to go out from this place, to go out and to serve and love others in your church and outside your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In just a moment, as we respond to God's word and to his grace as he has given given us his spirit this very hour in worship, our ushers are going to come and receive tithes and offerings as we seek to worship God with this act of giving, as it comes from the resources that he's given all of our resources to us, and we can use those to serve him and to give to him in this way.
receive God's benediction. And unto him who's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his glorious presence. And he does so with exceeding great joy to the only wise God, be glory, majesty, authority, and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.